This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, especially if you're watching for the first time. We hope that you'll stay tuned today as we discuss God's way, the best way to save our nation. I would think that all of us would be concerned about the way to save our nation. And stay tuned today as we discuss that topic. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize the course is free. We want you to avail yourself of the opportunity to receive it. In order that you might know more about the course and that you might know how to receive the free course, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34, the Bible reads like this, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The, the nations of the world seem to be raging with the deadly fires of sin. In the language of 1 John 5 and verse 19, the whole world lies in wickedness. Any nation that forgets spiritual and moral values as it meets the challenges of the modern world is doomed to failure. The psalmist declared, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. But on the other hand, he said, in Psalms 33 verse 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Edward Gibbon, a historian, attributed the fall of the great Roman Empire to five failures on the part of the citizens of Rome. These were internal failures. Number one was the rapid increase of divorce. Number two, higher and higher taxes. Number three, the mad craze for pleasure. Number four, the building of gigantic armaments when the real enemy was within the decadence of the people. And the fifth reason he gave was the decay of religion. Daniel Webster, a great statesman of years gone by, said this, If we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on prospering. 
But, but if we in our prosperity neglect its instruction and authority, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overwhelm us and bury us in our glory in profound obscurity. What a different world it would be if men would abide by the principles taught in the Bible. Think about the world in which we live. Things that were once condemned are now condoned. Sin has been galvanized into respectability. Premarital sex is the order of the day. Divorce for any cause is being granted today. Alcohol use is accepted as being the normal way of life. Abortion is widely accepted. And no longer are we free to pray and read the Bible in many public places. It would be tragic enough if these things were confined to the world. However, they in some measure have found their way into the church today. Years ago, there was a preacher who made this statement. The world is not becoming more churchy, but the church is becoming more worldly. You know, a ship is fine so long as that ship is in the water. But when the water gets into the ship, you are in trouble. There are certain moral and spiritual values that have eroded in our country. One of those values is a consciousness of the reality and presence of God. Time was when the majority of people in America believed in the reality of God and were conscious of His divine presence. May I remind us in, in the language of Daniel chapter 2 and verse 28, there is a God in heaven. He is a God who is above all, through all, and in you all. Ephesians 4, 6. He is a God in whom we live and move and have our being. And He is a God who is aware of our every move. He is a God who is not very far from every one of us. But you see, that's a value that has eroded a consciousness of the reality and presence of God. Another value that is eroded is a conviction as to the seriousness and the malignity of sin. We are enjoined in the Scripture to abhor that which is evil and to cleave to that which is good, to flee from youthful lust. But it is tragic that many people today have lost that value. 
That is, they no longer are convicted about the seriousness of sin and the malignity of sin. They're not even embarrassed by their sin. Jeremiah was asked, asked the question in Jeremiah 6.15, Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? And the answer was, no, they were not ashamed. And neither could they blush. Have we reached the point that we no longer can blush by, uh, over sin? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And I would not be true to the Word of God and I would not be true to you if I did not tell you that the wages of sin is death or separation from God. Another value that has eroded is a respect for the authority of the Bible. Yes, there was a time in America when all people believed that all Scripture was given by inspiration of God. That is, the majority did. And that if a man was to speak, he should speak as the oracles of God, 1 Peter 4 and 11. And that if any man would go onward and abide not in the doctrine of Christ, he severs himself from God, 2 John 9. We need men like Micaiah of old who said, whatever the Lord says to me, that's what I will speak. You see, that's when we have a respect for the authority of the Bible. And another value that has eroded is a belief in the existence of hell. Jesus, the loving, kind, gracious Son of the living God said, Depart from me, cursed and everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. There's never been a more loving person than Jesus. And yet it was Jesus, the loving Son of God, who said that hell is real. When men no longer believe in eternal punishment, they're going to live without restraint. Yes, we have values that have eroded today. And one of the contributing factors, perhaps not the only one, but one of the major contributing factors to this erosion is the influence of secular humanism on moral and spiritual values. And it's caused a decline in those areas. Humanism is a religion. A man by the name of Lloyd Moraine, former president of the American Humanist Association, said, Down through the ages, men have been seeking a universal religion or way of life. Humanism shows promise of becoming a great world faith. The documents Humanist Manifesto I and Humanist Manifesto II refer to it as being a religion. And this is a quote from that document. Humanism is a philosophical, religious, and moral point of view as old as human civilization itself. One humanist said, No deity will save us. 
We must save ourselves. A number of years ago, the U.S. Supreme Court recognized humanism as being a religion. It was Justice Hugo Black who said, and I quote him, Among religions in this country which do not teach what would be generally considered a belief in the existence of God are Buddhism, Taoism, ethical culture, secular humanism, and others. There are at least five tenets of secular humanism. Five basic things that humanism teaches. First of all is atheism. The belief that there is no God. And Dr. Corliss Lamont said, for humanism, the central concern is always the happiness of man in this existence. Not in some fanciful never, never land beyond the grave. So according to the humanist, there is no God and his main concern is to be happy in this world and not in what uh, Mr. Lamont referred to as a fanciful never-never land beyond the grave. A second tenet of secular humanism is evolution. Evolution has altered, and this is a quote from a secular humanist, evolution has altered the course of history, but by shifting the base of moral absolutes from traditional theism to secular humanism. So evolution has, uh, the, uh, atheistic evolution has resulted in, in the shifting of moral absolutes from believing in God to believing in secular humanism. The third tenet of, second, tenet of secular humanism is amorality. That is a destruction of moral values. There is no God according to the, the humanist. There is no moral standard, no moral code. Now the next uh, tenet or teaching of secular humanism is autonomous man. And that is that man is independent. That man is godlike. That man is self-centered. Once man thinks that he's independent of God, he, he becomes self-centered. In Romans chapter 1, Paul talked about those who did not like to retain God in their knowledge and God gave them up to a reprobate mind to do things that are not convenient. But back in verse 25 of Romans 1, after these people denied the existence of God, it says that they worshiped the creature more than the Creator. That is, they thought they were independent of God and they became self-centered, thinking only about self. Feeling rather than responsibility is emphasized. Have you ever heard the expression, if it feels good, do it? Well, that goes back to this idea that man is independent, that man is autonomous, that man is self-centered, that man is godlike, and that your feeling takes precedence over responsibility. But the idea that it feels good, go ahead and do it, is not something new. In Judges 21 and verse 25, the Bible says, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So one of the tenets of secular humanism is autonomous man. 
And then the fifth one is the socialist one world view. The socialist one world view. Well, what do you suppose is God's way to deal with America and to deal with the nations of the world? I I think there are many people that are wondering if God will always bless America. I think that depends upon the citizens of America. You see, God would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah if ten righteous people could have been found. Ten souls, righteous people, people that wanted to do right, God would have spared Sodom. And I want you to note what we read in Proverbs 14, 34 one more time. Righteousness exalts a nation. It takes righteousness to exalt a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. If America is to survive, righteousness must prevail. You see, the answer to the problems that face this nation are not political. They're not economic. Technology is not the answer to the problems that face this nation. The the problems that face this nation are moral and spiritual in nature. And if America is to survive, righteousness must prevail. The time is now for saints in the 21st century to uphold a standard of conduct above the fray of wickedness in this land. That's the reason Paul wrote in Romans 12, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. That which is needed in America is a transformation of the mind. The problem facing America is a spiritual problem. And it's going to take a spiritual answer. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. We must become righteous people. Good folk, there's still a standard of right and wrong. Oh, I know we live in a day where the line that that, that separates right and wrong has almost been erased in the minds of many people. Might makes right. And I think we have swallowed down hook, line, and sinker the the philosophy of secular humanism to where we no longer uphold a standard of conduct between what's right and what's wrong. But there is still a standard. And we're still to abhor that which is evil. 
we're still to cleave to what is good. I believe Isaiah 5 and 20 might even describe the way some people live. They put light for darkness and darkness for light and sweet for bitter, bitter for sweet. They have a confused, mixed up concept of what's right and wrong. But God still exists. And there is still a, a standard of what is right and what is wrong. Think, think about the results of unrighteousness in our land. Proverb writer said that sin is a reproach to any people. He said righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach. The word reproach means a disgrace. It means it's a shame. And sin is a disgrace. It is a disgrace to a nation. It is a disgrace to a family. Think about families of, that, of which you know that have been disgraced by someone in that family. Sin is a disgrace to the church. Paul wrote a, a letter to the church at Corinth and in the fifth chapter of that letter he addressed the issue of sin in the church. Fornication in the church, it was a disgrace. It's a disgrace to the individual that might be involved. And sin is a disgrace to the Lord. Unrighteousness, folks, brings destruction. In Revelation 21.8, John the Revelator said that the fearful and the unbelieving and the whoremonger and the sorcerers and idolaters and all of the liars shall have their part in which lakes which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You see, righteousness is needed. You say, well, Brother Lambert, what, what, what do you think is the answer to, to what's going on in America today? The cross is the answer. What we really need in America is men who will come to the foot of the cross. We, we need politicians who will come to the foot of the cross. We, we need fathers and mothers who will come to the foot of the cross. We, we need preachers who will come to the foot of the cross. I want you to turn with me to Romans, the fifth chapter. I want you to listen carefully while we read from Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Think about that. He died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we're yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified, justified by His blood. We shall be saved from wrath through Him. For when we were enemies, for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Notice in verse 9 he says, justified by His blood. Justified means to acquit. It means to acquit. You're on trial, you have a jury trial, the jury determines that you're innocent, you're acquitted. 
And Jesus' blood is that which justifies us. It acquits us. It is just as if I had never sinned when I apply the blood of Jesus Christ to my life. Justified by His blood. And America needs acquitting. And it takes His blood to save us. We need to come to the foot of the cross. Galatians 6 and 14, Paul gloried in the cross. In what do you glory? Do you glory in your looks? Do you glory in your money? Do you glory in your power? Do you glory in your position? Glory in the cross of Jesus. And I'd urge you to turn your life over to Christ today. You see, that's what's needed in our world today. We don't need more laws. We have more laws than we can keep. We can't even read all of the laws that we have. We have so many. We don't need more legislation. We have more legislation than ever. We need to come to the foot of the cross. And that's the answer. And that's where we can be made righteous in Jesus Christ. Listen to Galatians, the third chapter, verses 26 and 27. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, did put on Christ. And when we obey the gospel of Christ, we're made righteous. God be thanked. You were the servants of sin, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being, the, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Righteousness exalts a nation. It exalts the individual. Turn your life over to Jesus today. Please. For your own sake. For the sake of your family. For the sake of the nation. For the sake of the world. Come to Christ today. And as a believer in Jesus, repent of your sins. Confess your faith. Be baptized into Christ and you will be made free from sin. And you'll be a servant of righteousness and right doing for the rest of your life. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. I feel like my professors care not only about my progress in their classes, but also me as a person. Having teachers that'll pray for me is incredible. Providing a Christ-centered education is the heart of everything we do at Fulton University. From the classroom to the sports fields, we emphasize integrity of character and a godly attitude in all phases of life. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580.
1-877-711-5280 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.